Hello and welcome to Loose Narrative, a celebration of camp in cinema. Each episode we watch and dissect a cult classic film in order to determine what makes a movie truly and successfully campy. This week we're discussing X, Y, and Z from 1972. I'm your host, Christoph Bakula, and with me as always is my radiant co-host, Chris Lane. Now how'd you know I've been to the spa today? <laughs> Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Oh, well, I mean, I just got back from the spa. I'm doing great. I've been scrubbed everywhere. I feel fantastic. How are you? Do you feel as fantastic as um, Elizabeth Taylor in this movie? Oh, no one can ever feel as fabulous (laughs) as Elizabeth Taylor, especially in this movie. Now, um, this movie is an old favorite of yours. Would you say that it's always brought you luck? It's always brought me luck. (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorite commercials of all time, too. I think it it played for maybe 30 years on TV, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we're, of course, talking about the Elizabeth Taylor White Diamonds commercial. Isn't it still on air? I'm sure it is. At some point recently, I saw it on air. I was very surprised. Maybe I was in a foreign country. I don't remember. If you're watching TV and all of a sudden (laughs) it switches from HD to videotape quality from, you know, the mid-80s, early 90s, (laughs) then you know that those are the Taylor White Diamonds commercials. (laughs) Starting off like Casablanca. (laughs) I can't remember what the name of the guy in the commercial is because she says a man's name like we're supposed to know who he is. I don't know. Was his name Columbo? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds apt. That sounds appropriate. Um, So this week we watched the Elizabeth Taylor classic, X, Y, and Z, from 1972. Now, is it a classic, though? (laughs) That's the real question. It's a classic in our hearts. It is. Um, And to start us off, as always, I'm going to read the synopsis cold from imdb.com. That's right. Cold like a popsicle on a hot summer day. Mm. All right. So it goes like this. The venomous and amoral wife of a wealthy architect tries any way she can to break up the blossoming romance between her husband and his new mistress, a good-natured young widow who holds a dark past. What do you think of that um, synopsis, Chris? I mean, it pretty much sums it up. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) in just a few lines, it just really gets to the heart of the story. It, it does. I mean, that's, that is, this, this story is not very complicated. Um, the beauty of this movie, as we'll get into, is really in its visuals, its crazy lines. That is really where the camp is going to come from in this movie. Um, the plot itself is a little bit boring, a little talky at times, um, but I would still recommend this movie just for the visual and auditory um, treats it has to offer. Yes, that dialogue, it's quite venomous and also quite amoral. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think it's time we dig into the nooks and crannies of this movie's history. So let's pay a visit to Chris Lane's History Corner. Oh. Uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about the background of this movie. Well, I mean, I can't really say too much on like the production of it, but it was released January 21st of 1972, which is the graveyard of of releasing a movie. They were not expecting any um, nominations for this one. No, no nominations. Even though we did fight, wasn't it nominated for a Golden Globe or something? It was, there was a Golden Globe nomination and that was for best English language foreign film. (laughs) So, you know... I'm guessing there were not not many imports into the States that year. No, there were not. But actually, what is is surprising, though, is that this was released by Columbia. And in the 60s and 70s, you know, Columbia went through this period as a studio where it was releasing a lot of kind of more independent, avant-garde, and foreign films. And so, you know, this, this production is from the U.K., and so that's why you see it being released by a major motion picture studio. Columbia, of course, was on Poverty Row, and they had maybe one big hit a year, and that's about it. The rest of it, it's not really schlock, but it just didn't do excellent at the box office. Um, 
But it's, this, it is therefore excellent for our podcast. It is. this. So this in particular is part of that kind of schlock, which I absolutely love. Um, but the, the critics at the time really, it was kind of mixed. Um, Roger Ebert actually kind of liked the film. But, you know, maybe one of my favorite reviews of all time, of all time, is of this film. And it's from... The famous critic Rex Reed, which everyone loves to hate, of and he loves to hate everybody. <laughs> so I, I think it's important just to just to read uh, uh, an excerpt from his review of this film. Please give us a dramatic reading. Well, sex is back in X, Y, and Z, as wretched and slimy a pail of slop as I've ever seen dumped on a movie screen, with the misguided Elizabeth Taylor playing chief pig of the pigsty. X, Y, and Z is a depraved lesbian horror film with flabby, oatmeal-colored Michael Caine trying vaguely to outweigh and outscream the bloated Miss Taylor before they both get thrown out of the Screen Actors Guild. I love I that. Mean, I love that cue music. Cue music. <laughs> this just really gets to the heart of the film in that he, he is straight up calling it trash, and it is. It's British trash. But so it's it's trash with its pinky lifted up. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's it's trash with a slight taste of class. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were discussing this earlier. In the, I never really understood all the jokes about Elizabeth Taylor being fat. I mean, I understand that she gained some weight, as we all do as we get older. Yes. So so. It, an Elizabeth Taylor fat reference is kind of always lost on me. I know that it's a thing. I know Joan Rivers used to do Elizabeth Taylor fat jokes all the time. But the... I don't understand the etymology of the joke so much. I mean, you know, she really was this kind of... Not a bombshell, but she really was like a figure of beauty. As, yeah. as, as one of the last movie stars to go through the studio system. And as she got older and she drank more booze, you know, I mean, it wasn't like she got fat. She just got bloated. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say it, Liz looks terrible in this movie. She does, but yet, I mean, all of those fashions make her look so fabulous. <laughs> That's like, true. She really does wear really, really good eyeshadow in this movie. <laughs> She oh, So she looks terrible, but the clothes don't wear her. She's still wearing the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, think, I think there's something to be said about her hair in this movie. Um, for me, it seems like, you know when you go, to the, you go to the Halloween outlet and there's just wigs in bags? It's like she found a wig in a bag that just, was just called Deranged Woman. <laughs> and she picked it out. <laughs> And the color of her hair in this movie is also, it's like stagnant dishwater. It's like... She's, she's clearly slightly going gray. Slight gray, it's, brown. It's just, it's it's, just not an attractive just, look. Like you said, dirty dishwater. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so I feel like we're starting to get into it. So I think about now it's time for the meatiest part of the podcast. Where's the beef? <laughs> Chris is playing our soundboard. Um, so this is this is our probe into the plot, as we're calling it, where we really break down of the, the narrative of this movie beat by beat. So the movie starts with a brilliant slow motion ping pong scene. Um, and this really symbolizes the sort of contention between our two leads, Michael Caine, who plays Robert, and... Elizabeth Taylor, who plays Z. That's Z-E-E, -E, as in X, Y, and Z, the title of this movie. I mean, it really is kind of a tete-a-tete, yes. if you will. Mm. And then, I've never seen a person get as excited for anything as Liz Taylor is playing ping-pong in this scene. Oh, no, especially in slow-mo. Yeah, <laughs> to a slow-motion excitement. To a recorder flute. It's like somebody... <laughs> It's like somebody slowed down a soccer mom on The Price is Right and played <laughs> flute over it. 
But she she really gets excited after scoring with such gusto that the, her whole body shakes. You really do see yes. all of that kind of bloatedness <laughs> start to shake and move. It really sort of sets the She's scene. a voluptuous woman. She really is. So, so um, Liz wins the... They're, they're playing the opening credits over the ping pong scene. That's right. This opening credits end. Liz wins the game. Z wins the game. And Robert then playfully chases her around the apartment. So at this point in the movie, there's still some passion left in the relationship. Um, we smash cut to them. We, we love a good smash cut on this podcast. Yes. We smash cut to them trying on a clothes, getting ready for a party. That's right. She is wearing this kind of crocheted yellow fringe number. I don't know if you remember this yes. outfit. Well, she's also in her in her pink panties too. yes <laughs> <laughs> so she's bottomless <laughs> in like a crocheted yellow orangey fringy half caftan yes <laughs> the, the fashion choices are superb in this movie and i if for and nothing else just watch the movie for the the hairstyling and the fashion choices um, so we find out they're going to this party. We cut to a sitar player at a party because it's 1972 and it was the fashion at the time. That's right. Sitars were popular then. And uh, Z is in attendance and this woman who looks like Grandma Yetta from The Nanny comes up to her. <laughs> we later in the movie find out her name is Gladys, but she's kind of the woman who brings all these um, interesting characters together at these like swinging 1972 parties. She also is like 70. Yes. And yet she's an elder. And, and like, that's fine. Like my mom is of an older generation and very well connected with a ton of young people by this is just a weird mixture of people. This is almost like a classy party from beyond the Valley of the. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I think it's I think it's um the Beyond the Valley of the Dolls party but played for more realism. Oh yeah. Yeah. With your host dressed in all gold. A absolutely. <laughs> How else would they be dressed? So, um so Z is talking to Gladys. Uh Robert is at the party also and he spots Stella from across the room. Stella is played by Susanna York and um, I want to get your impression on Susanna York's hairstyle in this movie. It's kind of a mixture of a mullet meets a bob that the hairstylist just didn't complete. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just real tight on top, long on the bottom, tight on the face. Yes. And it, it's not even like it really frames her face very well. It just makes her look round it's a tight mullet bob <laughs> it's it's a kim fields and facts of life blonde mushroom cap with like water falling hair off of it it's yeah. it's very of the time all the hair is very of the time in this movie very much michael so. kane has a very like 1960s beatles haircut but he's like blonde so he looks like a little dutch boy getting his school photographs taken <laughs> um so as, as we've been saying, hair, fantastic in this movie. Um, I do want to point out one very, very funny line that I did love from this party scene as, as it started, and that was when Gladys recognized that Elizabeth Taylor, Z, had arrived at the party, and she said, well, when did you get here? And Z says, I got here two drinks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want to use that line at a party. Yes, I love drinks <laughs> as a measurement of time. <laughs> We need more of that. So then Robert, um, Michael Caine, walks up to Stella, Suzanne York, and asks her if she needs a bodyguard at the party. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, in the first like third of this movie, there's a lot of like grade D flirting between Michael Caine's Robert and Suzanne York Stella. It's, it's really unfortunate. Um, Why would she need a bodyguard? I don't know. And then he, he asks- also, Oh. He asks her if there's a dent in her necklace, and she's like, and asks her if she bit it, and she, you know, makes some joke about how, um, you know, she's always biting on her necklaces. Do you bite everything? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we go on and find out she's a dressmaker. Um, Z does not like her immediately. She Well, she can sense that Cell and Robert are flirting, so Z immediately calls her bag of bones. 
That's right. <laughs> and um, in the conversation, we find out that Robert is an architect. Um, then Z talks with Stella. She she tells her that, oh, that Robert, he likes to play games, but she doesn't play games. Her game is ping pong. <laughs> Which we learn to find out as this movie progressive that Z is the one playing games. Um, so Z gets to know Stella at the party, um, telling her she should come to her with any, like, matters that go, are going on in her life, like, you know, getting a facelift, for example. Womanly matters. Womanly matters, ex absolutely. Um, we find out, or Stella tells us that she's married, that her husband is currently in the country, quote-unquote. Right. Whatever, whatever what that, that means? means. That's like my girlfriend that lives in Canada. My girlfriend that lives in Canada. Or like the dog <laughs> that went to go live on the farm. <laughs> yes. Quite literally in this sense. Spoiler <laughs> alert, he's dead. Oh, um, and <laughs> she, she gets really, emo she's telling her about this husband and she gets really emotional and runs off. And, and Gladys comes up and says, she's prone to a weeping if anything positive is said to her. And then... Elizabeth Taylor gives this amazing reading of her line. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> so, so that happens. Just hearing Elizabeth Taylor do something extremely guttural is just wrong. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just not accustomed to seeing, you know... Elizabeth Taylor gets so nasty. Yeah, she's, she le reads the line like she's a Looney Tunes character or something. Yeah. It's it's really quite spectacular. So Robert runs after uh, Stella into the bathroom, and he asks her out to dinner sometime. <laughs> and um, the scene ends with Z spinning around in circles, drunk. Robert takes her home. And then we immediately cut to Robert and Stella at drinks the next day. And this is the point of the movie. This is my first time seeing this film. And it's kind of where I started to realize what this movie was about. That they're, they're, it's about an affair. I couldn't fully pin down how open their marriage was to begin with. I think it was pretty open. Like, I couldn't... I, I, that was my sense, again, because of the you time period and what, you know, part of society they were in. Yeah. Um, that it was an open marriage. But at the same time, it felt like a very archaic, um, I'm your husband and I'm going to cheat on you and there's nothing you can do about it kind of attitude from Michael Caine at the same time. And Yeah. Right? I mean, that was like a very Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice moment. Yes. Where, you know, it's okay for the man to have sexual relations with another woman, but it's not okay for the woman to have sex with another man. Yes. But we will get there. Yes. So, they're at drinks together. There's more grade D flirting happening. Um, I didn't write down any lines. I don't know if I you mean, did. I mean, why don't you cook me an egg? Oh, yes. <laughs> one of the line. lines... I mean, do you want to take me to on. dinner, or do you want to cook me an egg? Such a come on. That was that was uh, Michael Caine's line. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a lot of like bad romantic comedy stuff. No sex appeal. But so unsexy. You're not you're not rooting for these two at any point during the movie. No. You're really. I mean, as gay men, we're always rooting for Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Even though she is hardcore the villain of this movie. But those two are just so milk toast, especially in their in their sexuality, their flirting. That ugh. I mean, yuck, yuck, yuck. Oatmeal skinned Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, we cut to the next day, and Elizabeth Taylor's getting out of her car, and she Ooh. is wearing a tie dye purple cape that I covet so much. And where does she walk into? She's walking into the store that Stella's working out at, and it's called Caftan with a K. Take me there immediately. I mean, I think that is your, <laughs> pers your personal heaven is that store. It absolutely is. Um, so Z walks in and... Oh, by the way, I only wanted you to watch this movie strictly for that shot. Oh. <laughs> for this store called Caftan. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor getting out of a car, walking into a store called Caftan. Chris made me watch a two-hour movie to, for 12 <laughs> seconds for a background <laughs> establishing shot. Um, so this is where Z and Stella's cat and mouse game begins. Uh. And Z wants Stella to dress her. Um, and as they're trying on clothes, Z is really skinny shaming Stella. 
She really is. <laughs> she thinks, um, you know, men think they like skinny women, but once they get into bed, they want a woman like me. It's kind of the, the impression. Um, Especially once given. they get in between the sheets. Um, and then she she has a purple shirt on. Stella says that it's not for sale, but she's demanding the purple shirt. She wants her to give it to her. Um, and finally, Stella cracks and was like, fine, I'll sell you the purple shirt. And then she grabs a red musketeer hat with a white feather in it. <laughs> and so we learned that the, this hat belongs to Stella, which I actually cannot imagine Susanna York pulling off this hat in this movie. Right. I can't imagine Susanna York pulling off most of the clothes that she makes in the store. Yeah. Susanna York's style is very boho, and this hat is my fair lady. <laughs> I do want to point out, too, which I found interesting, that... Elizabeth Taylor is only wearing purple in this scene. Yes. Right? And she only and purple wants means purple royalty. Things. So she she has that tie-dye cape that's purple, and she takes it off, and what does she have underneath? A purple caftan. Yes. And then what is she trying on? A purple dress. So, I mean, she's really, just in terms of, like, mise-en-scene, she's, like, being posed as, like, the queen bee. Ooh, I like right? that. Right? Purple means royalty. Good analysis. Um, so then after this scene, their little cat and mouse game, we cut to Robert and Stella in bed. Uh, Robert comes home after having sex with Stella and she has breakfast in bed ready for him. So he's coming home in the morning. She brings out a tray. Blasting music. Some sort of rock, like 19, late 60s rock music. Just blaring. And then... One of my favorite exchanges happens where Z asks Robert, does she have a footstool? I can always tell the kind of cow that has a footstool. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. She needs a foot. She's so fat she can't get into bed. But what then, but then the pri previous scene, she was she's skinny shaming her. Right, I know. I think she's, again, it's Venom. Venom, she fights Venom constantly. So Z is clearly upset. This is when she really starts egging Robert on and she eggs him on throughout the whole movie. Um, we sort of learn that their relationship has been open all along. Um, then he calls her a slut. She tells him, she eggs him on about an affair that she had a doctor with, with a doctor in Spain. At what point does she, does she say, why don't you check my panties? Do you remember when she yes. says that? I think it's when she's talking about the the affair in Spain, and he's getting really, really upset about it, and she's like, why don't you just check my panties? Who says yeah. that? So this is when this is when we're kind of figuring out that their relationship is falling apart, but but they're still I don't understand the parameters of their rope and relationship at this point because she does have to clarify that she's keeping him. She goes, I'm keeping you, baby. And then he goes, oh, the hell you're not. And then she calls him a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so if I had to summarize it, I would say that this, this movie is about an open relationship that they both hate being in. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they love to hate it. Yeah. Right? On some level, I think that I mean, what benefit does Z have for staying in the relationship? Is it the power? Is it she still really loves him and that's a part of it and she wants to be with him? I think it's the money. It's the money? I think she she has grown accustomed to this lifestyle. Later on, they, you know, there's that scene with all the bills and she's like, I don't care about the bills. I don't pay the bills. Yeah, but then also we later we learn that even when he moves in with Susanna York, spoiler alert, um... He's still bankrolling her, so... I know. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Maybe just this power. Maybe just sense. a power thing. Maybe mm -hmm. just a power play. Because at the end of the day, that's really what this is all about. So, they're fighting. Z threatens to go to Spain. And we learn that she does. She wants to go back for a physical checkup from the doctor. Yeah. She screwed her. <laughs> and she um, misquotes Clark Gable in <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Do you want to give a reading of that? Yeah. Quite frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Cue slamming door. <laughs> so then we cut to Stella and Robert um, with her sons having dinner. Um, Stella sends them off to bed, and Robert is clearly very charmed by her, by her family. 
Um, and they make out with some terrible cinematography from, like, the back of his head. Maybe they didn't actually want to kiss or something. I mean, the worst kissing scene ever. Yeah. It's, you, there's not even, a, like, a money shot in the kissing. You don't see any sort of tongue penetration. You just see the back of Michael King's head. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to kiss his oatmeal-colored complexion either. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, then I wrote down, Velma from Scooby-Doo comes to tell Robert at his office that Z has shown up after being in Spain for a day. Oh, my God. She's totally Velma. She's a Velma energy, but then later I realized that she is Velma crossed with one of the Ramones. <laughs> It's that very, like, androgynous British 1960s thing. We're talking about, um, we later learned that this is um, Michael Caine's secretary, whose name is Rita. Are there British people named Rita? Apparently. Well, Rita Ora. Oh, yeah, Rita Ora. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. So he shows up, she, Z shows up back in town after being in Spain for a day. We learned in the previous scene that Michael Caine wanted to charm Stella, Susanna York, by organizing a dinner for at home for her. So Z shows up unannounced. Michael Caine is like, what the fuck? He, he drives her home and is constantly insisting, like, no, we should have dinner elsewhere. And she's like, no, we should really have dinner at home. Let's go have an Italian meal. <laughs> no, I'd like to go home, baby. I missed you. They were always going out for Italian in this movie. Well, they, I mean... Yeah, Italian. She likes to go to Spain. They like to be anywhere but in the UK. The UK. So Z insists that they have dinner at home, and she finds a letter at house from the housekeeper, <laughs> which notes that the joint is in the oven. <laughs> I mean, I want to know what she made. What exactly is a joint? Yeah, n no clue. Is I'm, it pheasant? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be very British. A roast? A stuffed pheasant. <laughs> Um, so she catches on that there was a different intended dinner guest, and then the doorbell rings. And Z, I don't know if you caught this, she does this some calisthenics before opening the door. Yes. I saw that. She lifts her arms up, she's spreading out, she's getting ready for battle, right? Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever <laughs> I'm meeting my rival for dinner, I always need to do a dynamic stretch. <laughs> So then she opens the door. Um, Stella made pate, which I thought was a weird choice. Now, I'm from Poland, and my mom made pate at home a lot, but it's not something I would bring to another person's home as like, you know, this is something I've, I've brought to share for dinner. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. That's like an, that's an, I mean, it's an appetizer, right? Yeah. Pate. Yeah. It's not part of your main course, but also. We usually spread it on a, bread. Yeah, exactly. That was a huge bowl of pate. Too, yes. Right? That's a lot of fucking liver. It was for an entire <laughs> dinner party. <laughs> so then they talk about what Stella's background is. They're like, oh, she must be Norwegian. And <laughs> then what, what does, um. What does Z suggest? Uh, she suggests that she's a Celt. <laughs> what does she say? Top of the morning country? She's from top of the morning of country. The morning. I can't do an Irish accent. But, <laughs> and, uh, then she, and then she realizes, or, or Susanna York admits that she has Spanish blood. And then Elizabeth Taylor responds, Ooh, Toro! <laughs> I mean, this entire <laughs> dinner with the three of them is absolutely insane. It is just nonsensical sentence from from Liz Taylor, one after the other. Can we talk about how Robert, we learn that Robert collects fish? Yes. I love... <laughs> and then the... there's a long scene of Z just listing the types of fish he has. It's some sort of, like, twisted precursor to the shrimp scene from Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> she lists them all off, but then lands on piranha. Ooh. And that's Robert's favorite fish. My, that's my favorite fish, mostly because I love I love movies about piranhas, which I really hope we get to in, shortly in this podcast. Yes. So then we find out, uh, Z finds out that Stella has twins, twin boys, and <laughs> remarks that you, you have not lived until you've seen a woman breastfeed twins. I mean, no, I haven't. Actually, not, not, neither one of us has lived. I don't think so. No, never so seen that So just one happen. twin on each breast. And listen, I'm not against it. I think people should be able to breastfeed wherever they want to. But I guess I just haven't lived because I've never seen twins being breastfed at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was that? What was that analogy of like a dog that had 
14 pups, but only 12 tits. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this that? Z mentioned something about how something being really sad. It was a situation that she saw was a dog giving birth to 14 pups, but only 12 had breasts. And Michael Caine said those odds are still pretty joyous or some bullshit like that. What is that supposed to mean? Was that supposed to be a dig at Susanna York for having twins? And I, Right? Like, I'm not... I, I don't know what that was supposed to do. I don't... I have no do. clue. I mean, I, I didn't understand half the lines in this movie and what their intent was. <laughs> I mean, especially Liz Taylor's lines. I'm just assuming everything she says is a venomous dig at Susanna York. Yes. So, despite the fact that there's a joint in the oven and then they have... A bowl full of pate, they decide to go to a restaurant. <laughs> Italian, of course. Of course. And um, Liz Taylor is wearing the hat. Oh, yes. Liz right? Z comes out wearing the Red Musketeer hat in a power play. How did she get the hat? I don't know. She must have found it. Just I, I, Found it? She stole it. She stole. She probably stole it. She, she broke stole into Caftan <laughs> late at night. Her and her gay friend, who she hangs out with in some of the scenes in this movie, they took a garbage can. They probably vandalized Caftan. <laughs> so the three of them go to dinner together. Um, Z orders for the whole table, obviously. Chicken um, cacciatore? Yeah. <laughs> what else does she order? Rigatoni? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 brilliant it's a power play um so she keeps pulling these power moves until robert just gives up and decides to leave and he tells the waiter to tell them that he's leaving so z and Stella end up at dinner alone right it becomes a date between the two rivals it, absolutely um, and then this is where Stella opens up to Z. And I don't know why Stella gets vulnerable with Z if she knows that she's such a vicious bitch. Right. Um, That's a rookie move. It's a rookie mistake, yes. And we learn that Stella's husband actually died. And um, she divulges this information out of the blue. Um, and we both learn, they're sharing more information. We learn that they were both expelled from... Great school. school, high school. Yeah. Well, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know, know what age We don't know our level, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, it's probably my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. So you're like, oh, tell me why you're expelled from school. No, you go first. No, no you. you. No, you. No, you. No, you. No, you. <laughs> um, very reminiscent to a couple classic Real Housewives moments. Um, the fight in South Africa, South Africa between... Marlo and Sheree. Marlo and Sheree. Also, the Kelly Dodd and um, Shannon Bedore fight at the oh. 1960s party. That's right. Who? <laughs> Who? You! <laughs> um... And that, that scene is in the trailer, so if nothing else, just check out the trailer and, and watch that scene. So, after this dinner, Robert meets up with Stella. This has been a very long night. Yeah. They managed to have, have drinks at their place, have a whole conversation, go to dinner, then he get, ends up at Stella's place. How did he end up there? Right? I have no idea. Well, yeah, he left He left the dinner, probably went immediately to her place, or just, just roamed the out? streets oh until God. she got home. Um, we cut to Z putting on her terrible eyeshadow, which is not something we've mentioned yet. She is wearing <laughs> thick purple eyeshadow throughout this movie. From, I mean, and her brows are pretty arched pretty high. It's it's really, really thick. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, definitely a drag queen moment. So, so she's wearing, listening to rock music, wearing a floral green caftan at home. I wrote down that this scene symbolizes the seventh circle of hell for <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> and it only gets more chaotic from there because he comes in, he's really mad at her for spending too much money. And because she lives very frivolously, she goes to her mirror Puts on a fuzzy top hat. I've never seen a fuzzy top hat before. I've never seen that before. It's like either. something out of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and she said she's going riding. And Michael Caine is like, what do you mean you're going riding? It's the middle of the night. <laughs> and they start to physically tussle. I feel like they're a little... This is like the passion in the relationship is that fighting is violence Co violence and conflict is the passion in their relationship yeah. i mean he ties her up yeah he ties her up he ties her hands behind her back fuzzy top hat and all <laughs> so just imagine elizabeth taylor in a fuzzy top hat 
wearing a floral green caftan being tied up by Michael Caine. She's screaming. And she's screaming at him. Now she's actually pissed. She's not turned on by this anymore. They're in the living room. And she's calling him a woman hater. She's calling him a Jew Jew hater. hater. She's calling him a fascist swine. (laughs) And then, of course, she... At the flip of a switch, she flips again. Then she starts coming on to him again. Calling him gorgeous. Which, in this movie, he is not. Um, Unless you like oatmeal. Yeah. (laughs) Then they start kissing... And he starts to untie her, and then she says she doesn't want to be untied. Mm. So they're clearly still there's there's clearly still romance happening there, and really there's no clear good guy in this movie. They're all really leading each other on throughout this movie. Right, they are. Yeah, but there's no like satisfaction. No, everybody's unhappy and and everybody's fucking with each other. Yeah, that's right. Well, and in this scene in particular, they're talking about bills. Yes. And she says, bills always make us boring. (laughs) And you know what? I agree. Bills make us boring. (laughs) Bills do make us boring. Let's just (laughs) live life to the fullest. So in the next scene, uh, Z is at at a bar with her gay friend. Now, can we just talk about how she's dressed? 100%. She looks like she's dressed... As an older Cleopatra. Yes, bringing right? it back. Bringing it all the way back to her glory days. But a la, like, braids in the back? Yes, there but are... fluff in the front? Fluff in the front. <laughs> some light braids in the back. She's wearing a golden medallion on her forehead. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, we, meanwhile, the gay friend is dressed like Amadeus. Yes, with that fluffed ascot yes. thing. What the fuck is that? <laughs> And um, she looks like Cleopatra on shrooms. She does. Absolutely. <laughs> Cleopatra 1972, which sounds like the name of a great, you know, like exploitation film. Well, there is Dracula 1972. Was that literally what it's called? Well, there's a movie called Dracula 1972. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And it's British. We might have to d- dip into that Another one later. Episode. Um, so we learn that Z hates Stella, obviously, um, and wants to get rid of her. And then this is, this is what she proposes to her gay friend. She wants to get rid of Stella. Her friend starts to tell her, her a story about his life. And she's like, I'm uninterested in this shit. Let's go. Let's go find her. So they show up to Robert and Stella's house. And Z creates a ruckus outside of Stella's house. I think she, like, throws a trash can. That's right. Down, like, down some sort of basement situation, right? <laughs> <laughs> screaming and then Stella starts crying because she's frightened that Z is terrorizing her life right well Michael Caine tries to hide it up he's like oh there were kids outside making noise and yeah. she's like no I your wife is fucking hear insane your wife <laughs> I think she her, her line exactly is I'm frightened <laughs> very literal read <laughs> so they decide to go off together for the weekend but where do they decide to go Scotland. Oh, is that where they were? Yes. I must have missed that. I got. I saw them at the train station, so oh. they go to the train station, and then it just cuts to them like climbing some rocks by the ocean. So I was like, I don't know where this is, but apparently it's Scotland. Yeah, so that's thank what you, you do in Scotland. You climb some rocks by the ocean. And this scene is continues to build, like on these two characters, like they're having some great romance, but of course, to us as viewers, it's so empty because they're not charismatic. They're sexless. We're not rooting for them. Um, so then they're back in bed in Scotland at their hotel or wherever they're staying. And Robert gets a call in the middle of the night that Z got into an accident mm-hmm. in his car. Right. Right. And so what does he do? What does he do? He goes straight back. Oh, they, he they go right home. Right? Absolutely. I mean, unless there's something else that happened. No, that was it. (laughs) He's worried about his car. And then it cut to him, like, back in London, back at their flat, right? Back at their flat, and then Z is packing up all of his shit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, And she clearly had not really been in an accident. No. She's fine. He just wants to know what happened to the car, um, but she won't tell him, and she's like, "If if you slap me, I'll tell you. So he slaps her across the face. And she still doesn't tell him. He storms out, gets into a different car? 
Maybe that's yeah, her he car. To get into, I mean, they're rich people. They have multiple He gets into cars, her I'm car. Sure. That's her red car. Yes. That's her car. He tries to take off. She and then throws, she throws, out throws all the luggage clothes. on top of him. Yeah. But at what point... I think I think when he comes back in, then they're talking about Stella. Yes. Right? And this is where she really digs it. Well, first she calls Stella, and she gives this oh. line. Is my husband in your skinny chicken arms? <laughs> And then he, she tells her, he, he likes women to be a mess. That's why he's still with me. So Robert comes back to find out where his car is. And she divulges that it's at the South Morton garage. And at this point, too, does she say, like, she starts making digs at Stella, saying, like, I've seen her eat. Yes, absolutely. Right? That's And then she scene. says, she's got smelly armpits, greasy hairs. And you have to drink to get it upstairs. Right? Yes. Inferring, like, that he has to drink to, like, get an erection with her. I mean, terrible terrible haircut aside, Stella's a beautiful woman. Yeah, she is. And, like, what does she mean by I've seen her eat? I don't know. Again, like, was that, that, a, was maybe, that a trick maybe at the Italian just, restaurant? Yes. Maybe <laughs> she slurps her noodles. <laughs> so, she, um, Z pleads Robert to stop all of this madness, but he still goes off to Stella's. Um, and then we find out that Stella and Robert are touring an apartment together and they're, they're getting a place together and Robert comes home to find Z on the couch. They discuss their relationship. He offers to take her out to dinner and she goes, I'm still your baby, aren't I? And he just goes, yes. And clearly he's, she's fucked up, but he's leading her on and it's just so gross and dysfunctional. Yeah. It's abusive. It's so abusive on both of their parts. Both ends. Both ends. He leads her to bed. Um, so he spent the night at home, clearly. It's the middle of the night. He hears water rushing. He goes towards the bathroom. He finds out the door is locked. So he knocks down the bathroom door. And he finds Z in a pool of her own blood in the bathtub. We cut to Robert and Stella having a conversation in, a, in her kitchen um, rain is falling on the window in the background, yeah. you know, showing us this, this is a sad scene. Um, we learn that Z is still alive and they talk about how difficult all of this is. Um, Stella's opening up about her emotions to Robert. We learn that her husband died of cancer when her kids were just babies. Um, we learned so much information. Yeah. Right? Like, this is all, like, front-loaded, like, back-loaded. Yes. All this, like, backstory is, like, just back-loaded. And the front of it, of the whole story, is just, like, full of just, like, horrible and amazing one-liners. Absolutely. Which is really what we came <clears throat> for. That's yeah. the, yeah. the not price of admission. So then, uh, we cut back to Robert at his job. He asks his secretary, Rita... Um, if men ever have nervous breakdowns, um, she is wearing a, some excellent patterned overalls. Yeah, she is. In this scene. Um, and then she starts having a breakdown. Right. I don't know why. Um, she's like, my life is good. John comes home every night. And then he asks, do you come every night? <laughs> so Michael Caine, Robert, he is just unstoppable. <laughs> Um, so we cut to Stella feeding Z grapes in her hospital bed. So also, so, so also as fucked up as Z and Robert both are, Stella does not know her boundaries either. You're right. She has absolutely zero boundaries. I'm just now real. I mean, of course, right? Yeah. And she just shows up wherever she wants to. Like unannounced. Unannounced. Well, they all do, really. That's true. That's true. And this is actually, in this scene... Z is in the hospital bed, and this is the most normal Liz Taylor's hair looks throughout this entire movie. That's right. There's most no of us, volume. Most of us would look like shit in the hospital, that, but yes. she didn't have time to tease. No, she did not. Well, she didn't have her teasing comb, which she does at the end. So, they open up to each other again. We learn that Stella was expelled from school for falling in love with one of the nuns. Right. I don't know how that happens. Which is... Probably one of the most bonkers things I've heard in a movie. Yeah. Well, you also don't, like, like that's it. That's all that's said. 
right? Like, we don't really get into what that means or no. what happened, right? Because Z has to talk about herself. We learned that Z was expelled from school from eating the altar breads from the church, which I feel like is just the screenwriters, another, the screenwriter making another dig at Elizabeth Taylor being fat. Right. <laughs> right. But then also, like, why does Z say that? Why does Z not, like, say, like, you fell in love with a nun? Yeah. Instead, she, like, well, takes she... the moment to talk about herself. Yes. Well, as a, as a true diva does. Of course. But of she's course. taking information, and she's going to take this information until the end of the movie. Um, so we she, find... She also offers to be the bridesmaid. Oh, yes. She offers in to the be wedding, the bridesmaid at their wedding. York and Michael Caine. And we find, even though we find out that she tried to kill herself because she found out found out about them getting a flat together. <laughs> so the the consistency here is very um, unclear. So I got really lost in this con in this in this conversation. I know you got. I turned to you during this part of the movie, and I was like, "What are they even talking about?" And they just they hug at the in the bed. Right. I mean, I didn't know what they were talking about. I don't even think that they knew what they yeah, were talking no. about. Yeah. No. The the characters are the actresses. <laughs> So we cut to Robert and Stella decorating their new flat. Um, we find out Z has invited people over for Robert's bowing out night. So Z is literally planning a party for the end of her marriage. Right. Or, or so it seems. It's like a going away party. Because that's a totally normal thing to have. Well, yeah, right? In I the mean, swinging there was, there was one, there was one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? Yeah. Like a divorce party. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have it with your significant other? Oh, no. You don't no. do that. Also with the, with all of London in attendance? Yes. Well, all of Gladys and the, the social circle they hang right. out with. So we cut to this raucous party. Um, well, Z tells Stella, or rather Robert tells Stella that it's just a dinner party, but it turns out to be a crazy a party. Party, which cut, so we cut to a glass of vodka being poured. <laughs> just That is from straight. Michael, straight up Smirnoff, in a glass with an ice cube. <clears throat> and then we zoom out and we watch Elizabeth Taylor, who's ta who takes a swig of her drink, kisses Michael Caine on the mouth, and then squirts her drink in his mouth she and goes, she says that's what mother birds do <laughs> <laughs> fucking incredible I think I might try that out one time yeah that's another good pickup line <laughs> right. if we've learned nothing else through doing this podcast it's it's just amazing pickup lines <laughs> between Edie Williams last week and Elizabeth Taylor this week so Stella's home alone and Robert, we cut back to Robert, fucked up at the party, on the couch with Gladys. Um, Z takes him by the hand, leads him away. And as the party wraps up and everybody's leaving, we see Z and Robert are cuddling in bed together. The next morning, Robert is packing up his shit. Z is upset again, wanting to him to stay a couple more days. This is not how people in a relationship that's breaking up act. Right. It's so bizarre. Um, I mean, she got, she clearly, after feeding him like a mother bird, got him too drunk to go anywhere. Yeah. Right? So, he got too drunk to go anywhere. He doesn't remember the previous night. Um, she claims to him that he was professing his love to her all night, <laughs> which we know didn't happen. Right. Um, there's another drawn-out fight scene between the two of them. Um, Chris, do you have any interesting quotes from that that? fight scene um shut up you bloody slut your filthy mouth and then elizabeth taylor says well maybe i'm the worst thing in the world but at least i carry it in the front where you could see it <laughs> more that, more weight more weight comments I, I i hate to bring it back to the real housewives of atlanta but it reminds me of the one of the lines that nini leak says which um i'm not gonna stab you in the back i'm gonna stab you in the front <laughs> <laughs> As any virtuous woman does. <laughs> so, Stella finds out that Robert was all night partying all night. She learned this from Gladys when she was like, where were you? Uh, Stella accuses him for stringing Z along, which he's been doing. Um, Robert assures her that he is not, and then he loves her. And Stella goes, I wish now you'd let her die. 
Yeah. This gets dark. Yeah, really dark. Um, so then we cut to Robert asking his secretary Rita out for drinks. Right. So this was a weird, I mean, we get it, we get it, he's a cheater, this is a pattern for him, but why, why right now? He's got a lot of shit to deal with. Well, he wants to make sure that she comes that night. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he's just being a good employer. That's right. Um, so Z shows up in the new flat where Stella is alone while Robert is fucking his secretary. But shows up unannounced, she just walks in. She walks in without knocking on the door, without ringing the doorbell. She's wearing a black and white cheetah print top. Did you yes, take a good look at I this? I did, I did. With cheetahs over the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And she realizes, she tells Stell that she realizes that a girl has to be quite grown up to be expelled for kissing a nun. <laughs> so this is where she's suggesting that that perhaps she was a little older when she fell in love with this nun and kissed her, that perhaps she, that falling in love with women may have been a pattern for her. I mean, if she was 15 or 16, maybe there were other things or other girls. I mean, and we don't get a lot of confirming evidence that Stella was a lesbian. There's just, we just have to kind of take Z's word for it. I think she's, Taking a dip in the lady. Oh, one. for sure. Right? But but there's not a lot of confirming evidence from Susanna York directly. No. 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 All we get is just from Elizabeth Taylor. You can tell me. We're friends. And Stella then calls Z crazy. And Z says, aren't we all love? Just a little. <laughs> and then they start caressing and hugging, and I don't know if this is a lesbianic moment or... Oh, I think it totally is. I think that's how it was meant to read, but it just... Doesn't The read. acting was bad. The, the cutting was... I mean, The like, cutting was bad. Just the way that it cuts, it's just like, is this... I'm confused. Is this a sex scene? Is it not a sex scene? I don't know. I don't know either. Speaking of sex scenes, we cut to Robert, then fucking his Velma from Scooby-Doo, Ramon's secretary, Rita. <laughs> um, after that situation, he comes home, and the door is locked, and Z opens it, the, the door of his flat with his Stella. Flat. Um, and she's just paying a little social visit, as she says. Um, <laughs> and she's sucking on a comb during this scene, which is it an interesting a, choice. It was a pick. It was a you know, hair pick. It was a hair pick for, yes. her, for her volume. <laughs> Absolutely. Which to me infers that she was sleeping with Susanna York. Oh, because she had to fix her hair up. She had to fix her hair up, yes. Oh. That's right. So it's all about the on, subtext. Correct. Later on, she's like putting lipstick on. It's like clearly something has happened. So then Robert goes over to Stella, but she just wants to be left alone. And Robert asks her what happened, and Stella doesn't know. So, and we clearly get the message that Z drugged her, but what actually happened between them, we don't know. Was she raped? Was, was it a consensual situation? Right. I mean, did Elizabeth Taylor dress up as a nun? <laughs> and we really get the idea that Z always has the upper hand. She throws on her jacket and goes, come on, daddy, baby wants something to eat. And the screen pauses with Richard or Michael Caine's mouth agape. Um, and then just a weird series of their images of their faces. Freeze frame. Zoom ins of freeze frame. Zoom in and out of a freeze frame for each character. It's very, very weird. It's a choice. And then a final shot of Z standing in the doorway. And the movie ends. Yeah, and that's it. Um, I have a couple of questions for you about this. Yeah. What was the moral of this story? The moral of the story, I guess, is to be amoral. Yeah. <laughs> right? Venomous and amoral. Venomous and amoral. I, you know, I, I don't know if there is a moral to this story. No. Or is the moral of the story, this is what happens when you have an open relationship? Maybe. Maybe it's just... Telling you, don't get sucked up in that that swinging party lifestyle. That alternative lifestyle. Um, and another question I had was, what does X, Y, and Z mean? I don't know. Well, 
So there's three main characters, X, Y, and Z. Z Female, male, and Z. That's right. So maybe that's what that means? Yeah. It's a combination of variables, including X, Y, and Z. Well, the alternate title, too, of this film, I think it was released in the UK as Z and Co. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes even less sense. Um, They really, it seems like in the marketing of this movie, they really push the, the, like, the party aspects, which is really, yeah. it's a really a relationship drama. But one of the taglines was, Z and her friends, they're an absolute ball. <laughs> like what? Like you would think that it was, there was a lot of party scenes, but that, that was not the highlight of this movie. <laughs> All right. So good. So it's time now for our final camp analysis. Mm. This is the portion of the show where we analyze the film for its camp value by answering the three fundamental questions of our podcast. So, number one, let's start with, is this movie campy, yes or no? Christoph? I would say yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Chris? It's definitely campy. So now, what makes this movie campy? Um, Definitely the dialogue. The dialogue absolutely makes it campy. All that biting wit is fantastic. Elizabeth Taylor makes this campy. She is her performance is over the top. The fashions, the absolutely caftan with a K. I mean, that's that's the only reason to watch this movie. The hair choices, <laughs> lines and fashions. Yes, for sure. I mean, and we we also saw a couple editing. Uh, tropes that made this a camp film, the montage at the beginning. The opening sequence, for the sure. The opening yeah. sequence with the slow-mo ping-pong table. Yeah. Um, the use of smash cuts was very camp. Um, just a lot of color in this movie. Calling each other sluts, pigs. I mean, it just really gets in the gutter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I it, love that. And I love being in the gutter, and I think the gutter is a very campy place. The gutter is an absolutely campy place. God bless John Waters. <laughs> um, so, now the final fundamental question. How loose was the narrative? Mm. And this is on a scale of one finger to five fingers or a fist. I mean, I, just in terms of narrative, my opinion, I think it's, I think it's one finger. One finger? You f- felt like the narrative was pretty easy to follow? I mean, outside of some of the dialogue that didn't make any sense... You know, it's yeah. a love triangle that goes awry. I don't know. What do you think? I think the only thing that was very confusing for me is sort of how the how the plot... I, there were confusing things about how the plot progressed. Hmm. That's People would true. just divulge information loosey-goosey. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Elizabeth at the begin- Taylor would just show up unannounced. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, you really had to buy into the world they were creating, because this is not a world we see every day in cinema, in our day-to-day lives. No. Um, re- we don't really see relationships like this portrayed very often. No. That's um, right. I was going to give it two fingers, so oh. maybe we will average that out to a finger and a knuckle. Oh, I like a good knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, that was X, Y, and Z. I had a great time. I, I had a rip-roaring good time. <laughs> and before we wrap up, let's talk about what camp things we're enjoying outside of this podcast in a segment called... Loose recommendations. Mmm, let's keep it loose. Christoph, tell us what's going on with you. So, a couple weeks back, you and I were watching YouTube videos, and we came across this public access television star from New York named Coca Crystal. And I had (laughs) never been familiar with Coca Crystal before. Um, Nor had I. She was a woman who was really a political radical and she had a political radical daytime or nighttime show called if i can't dance then you can shove your revolution or (laughs) something like that and she is just permanently stoned um just gives amazing non sequiturs during her segments i recommend looking up her interview with blondie 
Yes. Where she talks about how her family once donated some ducks to a pond. <laughs> um, really deep dive into the Coca Crystal YouTube waters. Mmm. Um, Chris, do you have a loose recommendation for us? Um, well, you know, last night I turned on the boob tube. Um, and uh, I'm re- lately obsessed with this app called Tubi, which has a bunch of free movies um, with advertisements. And I rewatched Electric Break Into Electric Boogaloo. Yes. Which I I I watched under the influence. There's no other way to enjoy that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and some of those sequences, those dance sequences where um, Turbo is going upside down in the house. Yes. So weird. He dances so with crazy. that life size doll, also. Well, it's a it's a it's a dual um, dance. That's like a dance right. Fight between him and uh, what's the other character's name? Oz- uh, Ozone. Ozone. Yeah, Turbo and Ozone, and they fight over a doll. But then the doll turns in. <laughs> Ladies like... and gentlemen, I know the char- lead characters from Break Into Electric Boogaloo <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> Kelly is the name of the girl, played by Lucinda Dickey. Yes, Lucinda Dickey. <laughs> Which is one of the greatest names of all time. I feel like we should just do Break Into Electric Boogaloo. It's honestly worth worth a uh, a whole episode. Yeah, it's one of my faves. So with that, let's wrap up. Um, let's talk about where you can find us. My Instagram is at kpakula. That's at k p a k u l a. And my Instagram handle is at Topher Lane. That's T-O-P-H-E-R-L-A-N-E. And you can find us at Loose Narrative Podcast on Instagram. If you want to get in touch with us, please slide into those DMs. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you and hope to catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.